As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. The Pure Hoops podcast is a presentation of Pure Hoops Media. The Pure Hoops podcast most definitely does reflect the views of our management. Here's three-time NBA champ BJ Armstrong and Eric Newman. Thursday, January 14th, and BJ, as they say, there's never a dull moment in the NBA. Before we dive in, how are you, my man? Well, I'm trying to remain calm, Eric. It's a lot going on. We're trying to make sense of it. You and I, let's take our... Best take on what has transpired here over the last 24 hours. There's a lot of action. We are in the business of hot takes. So let's have a few hot takes. The NBA has made a few hot moves. There's a lot of excitement in the air. Let's get to it, my friend. Four-way blockbuster. How many? How many? Four teams. I lost count of the the parts of the deal. And if you're listening to this, it's just easier for you to look it up as you listen to us talk about it. But the principles, of course, James Harden to the Brooklyn Nets, Karis LeVert from Brooklyn to Indiana, Victor Oladipo from Indiana to Houston, Three first-round picks from Brooklyn, also to Houston. A Cleveland first-rounder to Houston. Jared Allen ends up in Cleveland. Um, let's begin with the fact that James Harden, you tell me I wasn't watching the game against uh, the Lakers, pretty much had enough, was fed up. Don't know if he quit on the court, but... Uh, his post-game comments led to the acceleration of this deal being done. So let's start first with uh, Harden. Did you feel that um, Houston now had to do this? There was no turning back? Comments aside. Well, once a player crosses the burning sands with the comments that were made, that I want out, and that's made publicly, that puts, the, that puts the team in a very peculiar situation. And having the opportunity to work on the other side and now currently working as an agent makes it very, very awkward to say the least. So make no doubt about it, since the beginning, the situation was already established that James Harden clearly, clearly had an objective at hand and that was to force his way out of Houston. And that put the Houston Rockets in a situation where they understood that there was no secrets about it. And it was just a matter of when it was going to happen, not if it was going to happen. So here we are. I think that was probably the last straw, what was said in that final press conference down there in Houston. And then the very next day we have a trade that occurred. So I, you know, I think we all anticipated this. We all expected this. And the way it was playing itself out from the moment that James Harden returned back to the team, it was a rocky situation, a volatile situation to say the least. And now it is, and this is what has happened in the end that he was traded. And I think everyone appeared to probably have done under the circumstances, get the best possible back in return for a player like James Harden. And uh, we move on. In a post-game presser after the loss Tuesday night, Harden said, the Rockets are just not good enough. I love this city. I literally have done everything that I can. I mean, this situation is crazy. It's something that I don't think can be fixed. Then he was traded. (laughs) Um, I I just can't believe he actually said, um, um, I literally have done everything that I can. I mean, that's just... That's hysterical to me. But (laughs) here we are. And what really caught me, uh, my eye yesterday is I got texted a clip of uh, DeMarcus Cousins talking to the media. 
And as we both know, DeMarcus Cousins doesn't uh, make friends with the media. He tries to avoid the media at all costs. And DeMarcus Cousins also doesn't publicly talk about his teammates. But he had no problem sharing the level of uh, disrespect that he and his teammates were feeling about how uh, Harden was behaving um, on and off the floor from the start. And for DeMarcus to say that, um, it really caught me. So um, let's dive into this deal, my friend. Uh, Considering um, all the parties involved, considering all the moving parts, and you just said it, everyone um, arguably did, did the best they could here considering the circumstances. Um, let's follow Harden to Brooklyn. Um, obviously, the depth of their team is is now in question, and we'll get to Kyrie separately after we talk about the deal. But um, who are the Brooklyn Nets right now, and are they still a quote-unquote um Favorite to come out of the East. I know it's not clear cut in your mind, but who are they? Well, when you look at this Brooklyn Nets team on paper, you have to start with Kevin Durant. And now Kevin Durant is the centerpiece to this team. And you have James Harden, you have Kyrie Irving, and then let's go from there. When you have those three players, And let's assume, and I don't like to assume anything in the NBA, that Kyrie does return. And I'm going to say this whether he returns or not. Looking at them on paper, let's just say what we know they have. Not even even assuming that Kyrie Irving is going to return. That still makes them the favorite to come out of the Eastern Conference with James Harden and Kevin Durant. Offensively, both of those players are dynamic offensive players. And they should really thrive under Steve Nash and company and his coaching staff to be able to score points. They really should. And you can stagger those two players together. People say, well, how are they going to play? There's only one ball. Well, you do like what most coaches do. You know, whichever one is not going, the other comes out and anchors the other, the second union or what have you. You'll have basically two different teams. And the way Kevin Durant plays now, because he's playing literally at the four position, it'll be an inside-outside combination. So I don't anticipate that being a problem. Now, can they meet those expectations under the circumstances that we've currently been placed in? I will go back to the beginning. Eric, I don't know what league, what team, what organization can have a literally a week and a seven to 10 day training camp and then begin to play games. I'll say that again. I don't know how that works. Maybe there's some new special formula where guys can just magically get in shape. So I'm not really it's a, concerned. It's a, special, it's a special juice. Yeah. I'm not really concerned about what's going on now. And you can see how the games are being played now. This looks like an extended, the first 10 games of the season really is just an extended version of the preseason because there's no way you can lose by 50 points there's no way an nba an nba team can lose by 50 points so with this you see this extension of preseason guys getting in shape rotation so forth and so on so i think it's going to take this team some time but Normally, I I always give teams about 25 games, 35 games, because you normally would have five to 10 games in the preseason. So after about 25 to 35 games, basically a coach, the team, the members will all kind of figure out who they are, what they're going to do. You're a good team, bad team, indifferent team, or what have you. So this year, we're probably not going to really figure out who's who to about halfway during the season, because there's just no time. And now it may be extended more to that because we just put in new protocols where they can't practice and we can't do all these things. So how are we going to find out who we are, what we are, if we don't, we can't do these things in spite of all of that, Kevin Durant and James Harden will be able to score enough points and apply enough pressure on any defense. That's going to be a problem. And you're not going to be able to stop these guys 
for a full 48 minutes. And if they can surround their role players with getting just enough defense, getting enough rim protection, getting enough shooting to provide the spacing, I think this team is going to be a major problem to deal with because of the way the game is played today. The game is played with a pace and space. Well, you have two guys who clearly, clearly not able to get 30 points a night. They can get 40 points a night because you're not going to be able to double team both of them. And I think that's going to be a problem. Now you put Kyrie in the mix offensively. That's going to be a problem. We have to deal with it. Now, can we build out the other parts of it? And the main part that we can see, because we can go on and on about this team as as to the way it's currently constructed, can they put enough defense in particular rim protection that's going to support what they can do on the offensive end. That will be a big, big, I think idea or dilemma that this team is going to have to face. And I think Sean Marks and those guys will address that situation as the season goes on. Lot to think about. Allen was the, to me, the, the per, almost perfect complimentary big for these guys and somebody who was learning behind DeAndre. And Brooklyn's one of those teams, too, that, you know, they've got some guys that emerge from 10th, 11th, 12th men on the bench and they come into a game and all of a sudden they're, they're doing stuff. And a lot of these guys are not household names. So you mentioned Sean Marks, um, amongst other things. And uh, he, we're in a season like no other, BJ. We, we began talking about this and your point about the Limited preseason, the condensed schedule, now the travel issues with COVID, COVID issues in general. Um, you know, we'll get to COVID later in this. I'm just hoping uh, we're able to see what the finished product is, if, if, uh, if you know what I'm saying. So, um, and then player movement too. It'll be, it'll be interesting to see what else Brooklyn does uh, after this to try to handle that roster. So, um Harden, Brooklyn, back with Durant, waiting on Kyrie. Um, I really love this for Houston. And before we go to Houston, the ironic thing about what Brooklyn gave up is this mirrors in many ways um, the Pierce-Garnett deal in 2013. Obviously, James Harden is still very much in his prime where Pierce and Garnett were out of their prime. But... That was a short-sighted, all-in move, gave up a lot of future assets to try to make a run at it. Now it didn't work and really set them back. Um, Had that crossed your mind when thinking about this, about what they did uh, seven going on eight years ago, and um, now where they sit with Durant, Harden, and Kyrie all actually... uh, having player options at the end of the 22 season, which I found interesting too. So not sure if that uh, popped into your very um, busy and analytical mind. (laughs) Well, you know, I I think, you know, as I listen to all of the, the experts and people talk about this trade, you know, it's very unfortunate what has happened in this league now, Eric, over the last 25 to 30 years, is that we never talk about the game. We talk about everything else but the game. And and I want to say this here because – and that's what really drove me into the business is we're talking about everything else other than Except- the game. And – to be honest with you, I really don't care about the trade. Like, it doesn't, like, everyone's like, oh, did you see the trade? Did you see the trade? Okay, well, what did they do? Like, <laughs> let me see it. I want to see it. Will it work? You know, at, at one point, there used to be a time where we would talk about performance. We would talk about what the person did or the team would do or the players would do. Now we're talking about what do we think it's going to be? Like, I really don't, I mean, I, I honestly, I really don't care. Like, okay, nice trade, sounds good, looks good, looks good on paper. You see the potential there, but I have too much respect for this league to, like, pass out championships on paper. I have too much respect in this league because I'm looking at a first 
year head coach having to deal with what he has to deal with. Mm -hmm. I'm looking at players with the challenges of trying to figure this out and saying, man, that's tough. Now, in particular, in addition to all of that, you got COVID, travel, all of the things that they're dealing with, all of the social things that are going on in the world. And I'm just not really impressed by someone scoring 25, 30 points and saying, oh, they're going to be the championship and here's why, because they shoot 44% from the field, they shoot whatever. I want to see what James Harden, Kevin Durant, and these guys are going to do. I want to see. I want to talk about what they're going to do. Now, he got the request. Request was put in. Now he's traded. Now perform. Perform. And at some point, Eric, we're going to have to start getting back to what made this league great in the first place. You got to perform. On the floor. On you, got, the floor. you got to show up. We're talking about now everything else other than the guys actually what they're doing. That bothers me. It bothers me to this day because what has Brooklyn done? <laughs> what, what have they done? What have yep. they done? Why should I be impressed? A lot of headlines. Why should I be impressed? Now, what can I say about this? As of today, this gives Kevin Durant an excellent opportunity to do, I think, what Kevin Durant has alluded to for the last five to six years. He is clearly in the spotlight. He's clearly in a situation where now he's had some say-so in the team. He's been here from day one. He didn't, like, come into the situation like he did in Golden State. You know, whatever happened in Oklahoma happened in OKC. But now, it's, it's right here right now. And I want to say this. Kevin Durant, any team that Kevin Durant plays on, you got to live in the now. There's no more future. There's no more future saying what we're going to do. Who cares what happened yesterday? Kevin Durant is that level of talent where you have to live in the now. So I think the organization clearly understands that. We can debate and argue about how they're going about it, but give them credit for saying all of our chips are into the middle of the table. Give them credit. Now, let's see if they can do it. And let's talk about that. Because now, either put up or shut up. Right now, let's see what they're going to do. Because all of this talking about who's who, what's what, and as an observer, a casual observer of the game, because I'm not an expert. And the reason I don't say I'm an expert is because the analytics have taken over the game. We talk more about the numbers than actually what is really going on. As a casual observer of the game, and this is no slight against anybody, James Harden is probably going to need four to six weeks just to get in the type of shape that's necessary to even do this. He's going to need some time to do this. So now if they lose two games in a row, what I'm going to do, jump in the – no, as a person who's been down this path, that man is going to need some time to get in the condition that's necessary. They're going to have to figure out what's what, who's who. Leadership and all of the things, Coach Nash, team, role players, this is all going to be on the fly in a very unique experience to observe because while they're learning and why they are learning literally on the job and guys are getting in shape and getting their chemistry and all of those things, we're going to be watching it in real time. Yeah. So, again, there's a lot of things that have to play out because the best team right now in the NBA is the Lakers. Why? Not because what they're doing on the offensive end. It's because defensively, they already know what they're supposed to do. 
that is one of the key elements that you have to do if you're going to be a good team. Defensively, you have to establish who you are, what you are, because at some point on your defensive, on your championship run, you got to stop the other team. Let me assure you today that the Brooklyn Nets aren't stopping anyone right now today. So all of this things we're talking about, I'm going to save that for the experts because they're going to give me all the numbers. Numbers ain't got nothing to do with this one. It's going to require effort and energy. And one of their best players I know can't give me a second effort and doesn't have the energy because he's not in shape to do that just yet. He's not in shape to even give me the effort or the energy. Is he a fantastic? James Harden is a prolific offensive player. Make no doubt about it. But right now, this is a different ball game. And it's a different ball game because the LA Lakers are ahead of everyone else in the league right now because, one, they're in the best condition. They, they only took, had like 70 days off. They just literally not enough, took an extended not enough, break. Not enough time to get out of shape. Yep. Okay. Yeah. All right. Let's just be yeah, – this, this let can, the experts. This can, let the experts figure this one out, Eric. And you yeah. know what I'm saying? I'm going to let the experts. I'm going to stay in my lane. I'm just going to observe Yeah. and see what's going on here. So I don't want to get too fired up because it makes me a little – like I hear all these people and everyone screaming over each other. But, Eric, like it, it, it's, it's – it's, this is – Winning a championship isn't – this isn't easy. Winning an NBA game isn't easy. Putting all of those egos – you know, the person that I, who needs a hug right now is Steve Nash. Imagine what he's thinking right now. Can't imagine. He, he's experiencing he, the ultimate – He's got to bring all of this – yeah. Right. Well, the ultimate – the the suffering, you, you – I love that He's got to bring all of this together with no mm-hmm. practice. <laughs> No we got practice. one player. Harden's out of shape. One guy's MIA. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Yep. Let's trade this guy. Let's get the like, like this guy. You know, I'm looking at his hair. His hair is all nice and slick back. Looks great. Well, I can tell you right now, we should get him a a, a, a deal with the, uh, coloring hair because his hair is going to be white by the end of this. <laughs> There's going to be some stress on Steve Nash. There's going to be because I can't imagine. He's, he has so much on his plate right now. I don't care what he does. You can't, you can't, <laughs> you know, I had a coach who's always say, there's three people you can't trick. You can't trick young kids. You can't trick dogs. And you can't trick NBA players. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's what he used to say. Yeah. Can't trick them. Okay. You can't trick them. There's no way for this team to get better without practicing. We can sit here, Eric, and talk and and give stats and tell me why James Hart, his usage rating last year. We can make all of these arguments and why it's going to work, and then the other guy can come in and tell you the numbers why it's not going to work. Let me tell you something, Eric. No one. Since 1946, have won in this league without practice. And right now, Eric, I don't know how that's going to work. And that's why the Lakers right now are head and shoulders above everyone else. Because right now, they, in particular, their two players, are clearly the best two players on both sides of the ball. On both sides. As far yep. as team and the balance yep. of a team, so and their, adi- and their additions, meaning Schroeder and and Trez, have fit in. They, they have are fit the in best. quite seamlessly. Yep. Anthony Davis right now defensively is a problem in the NBA. Okay, we can talk every, about offense and yep. Trez night. does backward no, every dunks night. and yep, yep, this yep. guy does this and LeBron does that and this guy had thirty five. What all these numbers are fabulous. Right now, Anthony Davis is without question the best defensive player, and the Lakers are the best defensive team. And by the way, if they're not the best offensive team, they're they're, they're, they're number two. So we have a lot of things going on and talking about, but when it's all said and done, 
the person that I want to give a hug to right now is Steve Nash. <laughs> because Steve Nash has an impossible task ahead of him. How are you going to put this together with no practice? What is he going? What is he a magician now? No. So we'll see. I don't want to get into too big of a rant, but I just wanted to make sure that I don't want to lose track of how difficult it's like, you know, you can tell someone else how to get in shape, but never lose focus on how difficult it is to get on that treadmill yourself. And as I get older, that 20 minutes on the treadmill that I used to just get run in my sleep here, I could do 20 minutes on the treadmill full tilt. No problem. Stay out all night, whatever that was doing. At 53, Eric, that 20 minutes now. Eric, it's not, feel, it's not feeling I need that. I need I need Advil before the, the 20 minutes. And I'm not running nearly. Nowhere near I ran 30 25 years ago. Five years ago. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. So oh, yeah. all right. Moving right along here. <laughs> I'm 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 glad you went there with we need to get our focus back onto the court and I think you will have a lot of time to talk about um that specifically with Brooklyn but getting to the rest of the deal and a team that I do want to talk about immediately to what they now have on the floor and in the future is the Houston Rockets. Yep. Uh they got Oladipo, they got a boatload of draft picks. Um they also ended up with uh Dante Exum, whose career, unfortunately, has been uh, snake-bitten by injuries. Oladipo is a expiring deal. I happen to really like the fit of him, Wall, Christian Wood, what DeMarcus is starting to show. So um, what do you think uh, about what Houston got? And do you think Oladipo will be part of their future? Or is he a guy that uh, could be moved by the deadline to make sure they get something in return? Well, when I see trades now, Eric, I, I have to look at the trades from all of the perspective, right? You have one that's the analytics of the trade and you look at all of the, the exterior things, right? So you go, they got, fur, they got four first round picks and those are as if something like, oh, I got a first round pick. What does that mean? Like, what does that mean? What does that mean to me as a, if I were coaching? What does that mean to me if I was a general manager? What does that mean to me if I was the player? And what does that mean to me if I'm the owner? What does that mean? What, like, what do all these things mean? Well, the people who are actually down there playing and participating, the players and the coaches, those first-round picks mean absolutely nothing. Zero. Nothing. Not gonna help. Not okay, gonna help. I got a first defense. round pick. Okay. Every year we go. This guy turned out to be great. This guy didn't draft it. He turned out to be great. This guy turned out to be a bust. What does a first round pick mean to me? If I'm a player or coach, absolutely nothing. And every coach, and I can say it here, no coach wants to play a rookie. No coach. I don't care how good he is. Why? Because what's the one thing we value? Experience. That's what we value. So why are we placing this much value on first-round picks? And no coach wants to play a rookie. No coach. No coach. And when you have that rare rookie who does come in, a Tim Duncan or these type of players, you, you, you marvel at them because you're like, wow, we all know how difficult that is. You know, we can't forget this era's best player, LeBron James, did not make the playoffs his rookie year. Eric, this era's best player didn't make the playoffs his rookie year. So I want to know what am I saying with this first round pick? Okay, that's the first thing. So now you say, okay, well, we have an asset. Okay, that's what they refer to him as in today's game. So that's what it is. Okay. I guess if that's what we want to do, if you want to just give me Tim Duncan and I'll figure out the rest. 
That's all you need. That's all you need. Just give me. I don't me 10, need twenty give first round picks. Give me LeBron James. Give me give, KG. Give me give Dirk. Me, yeah, and, yeah, and then that's it. Because if you're performing, it always happens now. Now, so Love, wait, 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 wait. Let's 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 use that. Let's let's write that line down. I want that to be a staple. Okay. Well, say it again. Say it again. If you're performing, it happens now. You need players right now. You, you right now. Give me Steph Curry right now. I don't need twenty first round picks. And like, okay, that sounds great. Sounds good. Yeah. Look at all these assets we have. That yeah. gives us. Don't forget about those. Don't forget about those pick swaps too. Yeah. Don't forget yeah. about those pick swaps. Cap flexibility and sound, all of that sounds marvelous in the board meetings and and all of those things. Look how smart we. That sounds great. <laughs> sounds great. Yeah, you're down two in the last three minutes of a game. You better have somebody to throw that ball to. <laughs> they can go get you a bucket because that play that that coach just drew, you know he drew up on the on the on the on the board is not going to work. And the only thing that's going to work is you need a special player and a special talent to go get it. Go get it. Just go, go get, get the it. Two. That's go it. Get it. Okay. So so that's the first so back. So back to the court, Victor Oladipo. Houston Rockets, John Wall looking healthy. How do you see it working? Well, I, I see first, let's let's see where these players are really at. Right? John Wall has shown flashes of he's really, I mean, his his speed and all of those things. Now, when you have a, a contract like John Wall, I think it's very difficult to move. They found perhaps maybe the one player, the one team where it could happen when they did it. They did the swap from John Wall for Russell Westbrook. So let's see where John Wall is at. Christian Wood, you signed in free agency. Okay, that's Boogie. Boogie's coming back from significant injuries. Let's see where he's at. But he's on a, he's on a, if I remember correctly, he's on a non-guarantee, like minimum. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. He's at like he's so, at one six. He's at one six let's and see, change. Let's see where he's at. Yeah. Victor Oladipo. You got Victor Oladipo is probably going to be go to free agency. I'm going to assume he's not gonna be there. You know, maybe he was, maybe it works out, but I'm gonna assume that he's probably going to go somewhere in free agency wherever he wants to go. So you may look you may look to move him by the trade deadline. So I'm okay with that. It gives you flexibility, gives you a, a player, a contract that's movable. And I'm sure his agent now has been receiving calls from numerous teams, provided that there are more than one team that wants him in free agency that is going to identify him as a player because he will probably, he probably will be the biggest name in free agency, <laughs> if you look at it now, coming up. Because he's already made it clear that he wanted to go to free agency, or at least it was reported coming out of Indiana. So, in saying all of that, what does this mean? I think this team is at a crossroad, and I think it's obvious probably what they have to do. They're probably, whether they want to admit it or not, they're probably going to have to go through a rebuild type situation. Yep, They're going to have to go through the rebuild. Now, the rebuild is going to require them now with John Wall's contract and with Christian Wood's contract to potentially rebuild where you don't have to go and be the worst team in the league, but you could be somewhere, you know, maybe you make the playoffs. Maybe you don't. Maybe one of those players is a player that's ready to contribute immediately. That's what you're hoping. But if not, Eric, we're going to have to call it what it is. It's a total rebuild. It's a total rebuild situation. If, that player is not available. You know, you always got to take the best player that's available and we have to see what it is. I think coach Silas didn't know what he was, you know, exactly maybe getting himself to when he first came there. Right. He thought maybe he was going to coach, you know, James Harden, but it is yeah. what it is because I think he's a, I think he's a really good coach, but another this guy, is the NBA. Another, another, another first year coach that needs a hug too. Yeah. He needs, he, he <laughs> needs a couple hugs right now, what he's going through. 
So, but yeah. it, it this, this is the NBA, and you can't cry about it, and it, you move on. So, you know, we'll see what it is. But I, I, I think this has the potential, if you look at it, to say this could be a rebuild. It could be a rebuild now, and that's probably where it's headed. Whether if it's not immediately, at least you want to give the respect to the players that are currently there to see, you know, how it could turn out before saying this is what we're, you know, eventually this is what it really is. What's very interesting about the rebuild prospect in Houston is John Wall's contract. So rebuilding with a guy making $40 million a year who appears to be on his way back to top five point guard in the league form um, is interesting to think about. So I, I'm looking forward to seeing uh, how they work together on the floor. And if the Oladipo wall uh, call it experiment sample works and then see what that leads to in the future. Uh, Oladipo's former team, the Indiana Pacers, a team that our, uh, our new pure hoops uh, team member, uh, Johnny L Johnny, that's your nickname for the day. Who's, uh, hmm. who's producing with us today. John made a great point in a note saying, you know, Indiana's core intact from last year. They had injuries, obviously. Um, they've gotten off to a very good start to the year this season. And while Oladipo is part of that, he's far from the guy leading that. And that, of course, has been uh, Sabonis and Brogdon. Um, knowing Karis Levert's skill set, knowing his potential, um, Let's talk about the thing we love talking about the most. How does Karis LeVert fit in on the floor with Brogdon, Sabonis, Turner, the Holidays, uh, TJ Warren when he returns, Dougie McDermott? What yeah. do you think? Now, now you, you're getting me excited. You know, we're talking so much about all of the other it took long enough. things. It took long enough. You know, we're talking about Brooklyn. And then we're talking about Houston. Let's talk about a team that I think People like better be careful did. with this team. People I, I like what be they very did. careful. And I and I like it's quietly going under the radar. I think Karis LeVert now is at a place in his career where he could potentially be a star. I mean, he's, you know, think about this. You not only have one, you have two superstar players, top 10 players in the NBA in Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, who were out. And the Nets still made the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, why is that important? When you have a player who can get you to the playoffs, when you have that player, that player can do something against them every team in the league and affect the bottom line, which is winning. Karis LeVert, if he can find a home where they can put the right pieces around him and what his skill set is, I think this young man could be a star. I think this is a situation where we're going to look up and we're going to turn around and we're going to go, we're going to be looking at everyone else. We're going to be looking in, you know, Milwaukee. And we're going to be looking out in Brooklyn. And we're going to be looking in Miami. We're going to be looking at all these other places. And suddenly we're going to look up one day and go, Karis LeVert, Sabonis, Brogdon, TJ Warren, Holidays, the both of the brothers. Nate is quietly, you know, Nate's a good coach. Uh, no one's talking doing. about them. They're going to have enough bodies. They're going to have enough depth. And then suddenly, that's going to be the team. I like this Kyrus LeVert kid because he can play. He can score. He can grind the game out. He's got size. And he's fearless. I think he knows now. I think he's one of those guys that knows, like, I can do this. I can go get 25 a night in a winning situation. TJ Warren was scoring at a very high clip. Sabonis is arguably playing at. He's having a top 10 caliber. He's having a top. Right yeah, absolutely. Period. You know, and, uh, and what I love about Levert BJ is 
He can play on the ball. No, he can play no. off the ball. He can take the pressure off of Brogdon, keep Brogdon fresher for down the stretch. And then the contract here, three years, 17 and a half a year. I like I like through, through 2023. I mean, this I is a like great move what, for them. I, I like what Indiana has done. I think they've done it under the radar. And I'm telling you, I'm telling you, if this season can play itself out, and those guys stay healthy. That team is a problem now. Because this Levert kid, I don't care who he's playing against. He's got size. You Okay, you say, okay, you play him against James Harden. I like that matchup. I like that matchup. Okay, James might get 35. But cares Levert can have 30. I like that mm-hmm. matchup. I like that matchup versus Jimmy Butler. I like that matchup versus Chris Middleton. I like... His matchup helps helps them against the Celtics too. Celtics, um, I, I yep. he could I like him as a player, and the fact that he was able to go through this league by himself and still play winning basketball. Yep. Now you playoffs play this. playoffs two years in a row. Yeah, Let's yeah, not forget. So they played Philly two years ago in the playoffs before Philly I, lost to Toronto. I, I'm going to say it as I, as I'm talking here, I think this kid is going to take off now. I really think we're going to look out, look back on this and say, that was the place we're going to remember Karis LeVert. We're going to remember, you know, when you say, where did you play your best basketball? I think it's going to be right here in Indiana. I think mm-hmm. they're getting them at the right time, the right place, the right scenario, the right team. You know, they got the right players around them. They're all around the same age. I think this is going to be the time where the Indiana Pacers are in position to make a run. I think they have a three to four year window where they can make a run with this group. So great job by the Pacers and their staff. Great job. You know, Nate has been a terrific hire and I, and I'm a huge, uh, um, the previous coach there, Nate, um, Nate McMillan. I'm a huge Nate McMillan fan. But I, I, I like what they've done there. I like what they're doing there. I like how their young guys have responded. They got a nice win the other night in, in Golden State, um, and they're playing on the road. When I see young players taking their show on the road, I go, okay, this is good. And now you're going to add this kid, Karis LeVert, into it. So I'm, I'm excited for them. And uh, my direct TV will be channeled in to my good friends down there in Naptown to uh, see what's going on down there. We will be programming the Pacers and texting about the Pacers, especially since now your, your Steelers are home for the, uh, <laughs> we'll um, the fourth team in this deal, the Cleveland Cavaliers, which isn't all that exciting at first glance, but they get Jared Allen, they get right. Torian Prince, right. they get a pick later. But what is really interesting here is, Allen lines up very nicely with the development and growth of Sexton and Garland and right. the rest of the young talent on that team. And now they've got this five-player logjam at the 4-5 position with Allen, Kevin Love, Larry Nance Jr., um, JaVale McGee, and Andre Drummond. To me, two of those guys need to go um, pretty quickly. And if not two, then one's going to go and one's not going to play very much. So knowing what you know about those players, the league, um, knowing that Allen has great uh, value and is on the younger side, knowing that Drummond's contract is very tough to move, uh, what do you see happening here in Cleveland? Well, you know, when you look at this situation, it's a great problem to have. You have... No, those are five. Five, five guys at the five. You have five guys. I don't know if they're all at the five. They all, you know. Yes, in modern. They're day. all bigs. They're all bigs. And all they bigs. all can play. They're all what we would say are very serviceable players in the NBA. They're rotational players. So great job by their staff, their scouting department, their personnel to identify players and however they acquired these players. They got them. It's a great problem to have. It's a great problem to have, right? You, you you would rather have five guys who are all unhappy because they all can play and they all need to play and they all should play. They've, they've all accomplished something, you know, individually and outright in their careers. And this is a great problem to have. Now, 
my question to me that I would ask if I was sitting in that situation, let's play couch GM, if we will. Love it. it Love it. Is the following. Like, what's the timeline we're working on? Seems obvious to me what they're working on. Sexton and Garland and all the young guys. It seems very obvious to me what they're trying to do there. So I would venture to say Jared Allen probably fits in that timeline. I would venture to say that they're probably going to be a team that's going to play pace and space. So as they're putting together their team, I'm going to assume with the young players that they're playing, they're playing the young kid there from Auburn. I can't think of his name right now. They're playing those kids and they're going to build through the draft. They're going to build with young players. And then when you get players who can rim protect and run and do those other things, it seems like a natural fit in today's game. Now, I don't know which of those players they will keep, which one of those players they will trade, but I would venture to say that their core group will be Sexton and Garland and all the other young pieces that they're drafting, and then you'll go from there. You know, um, you know, the, but those are those. This is a good problem. If if I'm a team in the league and I'm looking for bigs, well, I think you want to call what they call it the land down there. You want to call Cleveland. And you want to get Cleveland on the phone and, and see if you could work out a deal. So um, I, I like I like those players. I like actually all those players that you just named. Yeah. And um, we'll see how we'll see how it you know it works out. But I think that's that's a good problem to have if you're uh, the general manager of the uh, Cleveland Cavaliers. And I, I I would be doing our show a disservice for both knowledge and uh, the usual laugh we have about the Celtics. But, you know, Danny Ainge does have a $28 million trade exemption he needs to use before November. And who are so, you, who, who are you implying that he should use that $28 million exemption on? Well, he can use part of it on, you know, he, he can use it in, in many ways. He can co- combine it on multiple players, or he could use it on somebody who's got a large contract like Kevin Love. Um, Kevin Love could fit in very nicely with this Celtics team. Let's talk about that. Um, but because I also really let's talk about that really, Kevin Love. I want to talk about okay. Kevin Love. Okay. Are we infatuated with the name or are we infatuated with the fit of the team? Because when I look at the Celtics, but you watch them much more than I do, I go, what mm-hmm. is the one thing the Celtics need? They need rim protection. They need doesn't doesn't d- check that box. We need definitely defense, screen roll, and all of those things. And we're we, and our best. my best players are like athletic wings. Yeah, he doesn't duplicate those things, but he does make life very uh, much easier offensively for Tatum, okay. Brown, and Kemba okay. Walker. Offensively, he's a very how? good. Def- he's a he's a very good defensive rebounder but okay. he does not fit those things you just pointed out. Offensively, how? I mean, he can. You, you can't leave him at the three-point line. He could also post. He can also play pick and pop. He's a good passer. So I, I think from that respect, it's interesting to look at, but you make great points defensively, which is why the other name that is really intriguing to me, and I think he's really worked on his game and gotten a lot better, is Larry Nance Jr., I think Larry Nance Jr. has become a, a, a very good defender, a good rebounder. He's athletic. He runs the floor. And he can fit in as a very good role player at that position. Is he a great rim protector? No. But I think he's somebody that could make them better too. So, you know, I wanted to put my GM hat on for a moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's you, fair. No, as, that's fair. as always, you, you remind me of, of uh, what is needed first and foremost uh, defensively. Um Time is flying, and I know we've both got busy afternoons ahead. So um, there's a lot to talk about here with COVID, and I don't want to get into all this right now because I think we need to hear more from the league. But the other thing we haven't talked about, and as of about 30 minutes ago, uh, Sean Marks did some press and media, and supposedly there was a conversation with Kyrie, and Kyrie says he's now very excited to return to the team. So with this whole Kyrie Irving going missing uh, in terms of leaving the team, not contacting Steve Nash right away, doing it through an intermediary, didn't travel, 
Then video surfaces of him without a mask at a party, a family party, which the NBA is investigating. Um, I think what I want your opinion on is just... This guy's a great player. He's an unbelievable talent. But these things have been going on now year after year after year. Where where do we draw the line of like what we expect on the professionalism side? Well, because that's know, my Eric, biggest that's my biggest problem. Here's the thing, Eric. Here's the truth. Talk to me. Everyone in the business. Okay, and I just listened to you say the same thing. They start the conversation off with the following. He's a great player. <laughs> so let's take. I'm, I'm trying. I'm trying to be. Respectful. Let's take great player off the list. If he great. wasn't a great player and a player did that, what would you do? Uh, he'd be out of a job. Okay. I wouldn't have to do anything. Okay. That's your dilemma. The dilemma. The the dilemma isn't. whether or not he's a great player and we should put up with this or what have you. The dilemma is what would you do if he wasn't a great player? You see the thing that we're looking for, or to me what's missing in every championship caliber team needs this. Every championship caliber needs this is leadership. You can't win a championship without the following mindset. I got to figure this out. Okay. And let's use this generation's best player, LeBron James. Always shows up for work. You got to figure it out. Everybody's got the same problems. So when that coach comes in the locker room and says, winning covers a multitude of sins. Anyone who's ever won at any level understands that because every team in the league has the same problem. Every team in the league. Everybody's going to hit a bump in the road. Everyone's going to have problems. Everyone on the outside is going to say this, that, or whatever. But everyone is not equipped to win a championship. Everyone is not equipped to handle a Dennis Rodman. Everyone's mm -hmm. not equipped to handle a Kyrie Irving. Everyone's not equipped to coach a LeBron James. Everyone can't do that. Everyone wants to talk about these great players, but everyone can't just coach Michael Jordan. Everybody's not equipped. So I'm going to go back here. If I can turn the clock back and put it on my, because I don't, I don't like to relive in the past. What I did is I did, I got through it, I've moved on. Here's where I'm really with all of this Brooklyn stuff, whatever. When is the next game? <laughs> when, when's okay. the next, when's because, the next because, jump ball? Because, Eric, I'm gonna expose a little something about myself. The more chaos is around me, the better I am. I need chaos. This Kyrie Irving situation gets me kind of excited. You know why? Because, you know what? That's how I thrive. Yep. Some of us thrive in the chaos. Some of us complain about it. Some of us, oh, he's messing up the team. Okay, well, if this is all that happened, a guy misses a week of the season, I got some real stories for you. Thank goodness we didn't have social media and all these things. This is nothing. This is absolutely nothing. This is sandbox material as far as I'm concerned. Now, I don't want to sound jaded or sound, but I've seen too much to even make this out of a big deal. <laughs> like, Eric, I've seen a lot. I've probably seen too much. Nonetheless, if you're not equipped to function in a dysfunctional environment, this is probably not the place for you. If you can't function in a dysfunctional environment, 
this is probably not the place for you. Analytics doesn't take into account the people. And I'm not saying it's not important. I'm just saying if you can't understand this mindset, I got to figure this out. This is way more exciting to me than just saying I have a bunch of guys who show up on time every single day, practice, and they give me the same quote. Every day we're just getting, we're just trying to get better. I don't want to hear that. We're, That's we're impossible. Working hard. We're working hard. We're That's doing impossible. It I don't want to hear that. It's like I don't. It's not real. I don't. I don't want to hear that. That's not my life. How you doing, BJ? Oh, I'm fabulous. Well, I don't want to hear that. That's not true. Let's let's. Oh, we really you really got going on here? Okay. I don't really have an answer for you here, BJ. I don't really have an answer for your problems. But you, this is what this is what I can. This is what I can guarantee you. We're going to figure it out. That's what I want to hear, Eric. And right now, Eric, that situation's going on in Brooklyn. I'm just fascinated at the problem solving that's going to be required to figure this out. Because, Eric, that to me is life. Because life throws you things. And it's the people who can solve the problems who do best. That gets me excited. So the more dysfunctional it is, the better I function. I thrive in that. I actually, I secretly, Eric, and don't tell anyone, I kind of I kind of like it. Because organized you learn chaos is what I do. That's what yep. I do. That's yep. what I do. You know, You're it's down, funny. It's, you you know, it's funny. It's funny. We've never talked about this subject in any like realms of our journey whether it was your career as a player and anything that i've done um professionally but i always felt like when there was just madness going on and even like you know the flow of the day where you know text is going off i got a headache on email i'm on a zoom call i got someone blowing up my phone and somehow i'm making sense of everything and getting through it and i used to feel this way when i would be directing like big um basketball clinics and have coaches and multiple gyms and, and do all that. And, and it carries, it carried over to filmmaking and production and somehow make sense of it and thrive in it. And, and I don't, I don't know where that comes from, but to hear you say that and to, and to think about uh, my own experiences, it's, it's really interesting. And then applying that to this Brooklyn situation um, it's wild. I mean, imagine if this is exactly what they needed. Right. Imagine if they just they just thrive in this chaos, the Harden chaos, the Kyrie chaos. Harden needs to get in shape. We need to figure out our chemistry. We can't practice. What are we going to do? It's 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 super interesting to think about it through that specific. Uh, I, 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 I love it. Eric, I love it because, you know, every situation provides a new challenge. This is a challenge. This is, this is a real challenge for someone who wants to problem solve because you mm-hmm. have, you got a lot of things going on <laughs> and none of them are really basketball related. That to me is life. So in saying that, we'll see how it plays out, but I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm up for the task. That's, that's what we do. That's what you do if you're going to be in a leadership position, these are the situations that makes Pat Riley, Pat Riley. Field Jackson. Okay. We can argue who's a better X's and O coach. We can argue all of that. No one can argue that Phil Jackson can't function in a dysfunctional environment. <laughs> Actually, if you want to know anything about, if you watch that, the, the the documentary or when he was coaching with the Lakers, there are some pretty, I mean, the whole Dennis Rodman situation. I mean, what coach would tell us, but yeah, just go to Vegas, take a little time off. Yeah. Just do it. Just do it. <laughs> hey, I mean, come on. Aside, who, who? aside, aside it working great in the film. I, I don't see how it worked great anywhere else. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Look, who else could do that? I'm not saying that was the right thing or the wrong thing to do, but who else could do that? 
the things I've seen Phil Jackson do, like, like, it's unbelievable. I mean, I can't even say some of the things he would say. They're just off limits. <laughs> like, yep. I like yep. to be in that type of environment because it keeps you on edge. Yep. But when I think about some of the things he would say, I go, you can't even repeat it. Because <laughs> that's who he was. That's who he is. And if you want to reach that level, you continue to push it. And I was willing to go down that hole to see where it ended because there was something about it that kept me sharp, kept me focused. You know, I remember I just, uh, this is a light story. I think we were down like O2 one year to the, to the, to the Knicks. We're down O2. Things are going 1990, bad. 1993. Somewhere around O2 to the Knicks in the Eastern the Conference, Conference Finals. Finals. We're like, so, we're literally practices at 10 o'clock or 11. I, I can't remember. We're down or whatever. We're not playing well. Everything is going bad. And I don't, can't remember if we're down O2, but I know we were down in New York. Practices at 11, somewhere around there. Everybody gets mm-hmm. taped in the hotel. So that way, when we get off the bus, Madison Square Garden, we just go right to practice, get our work in, come back, get off our legs, da-da-da, be ready to play. We get on the bus. He takes us to the Statue of Liberty. <laughs> Love it. Love it. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> so, like, what's going on here? Like, everyone's like, what's wrong with this guy? Like, uh, I thought about it. Isn't that beautiful? And it's all he says. Isn't this beautiful? Look at this view. It was like a great day in New York. Did you go inside? Freaked out. No, we just got to get in. You know, we just got to pull up. Look, We all look at the Statue of Liberty. He goes, ah, guys, have a great day. See you guys tomorrow. Shoot around at <laughs> Now, our response was like, is he serious? Or, you know, because normally, you know, we didn't play well, da-da-da. The coach is all here. We were looking for the normal response. We're going to be uptight. We're going to have a, a hard practice. Everything's going to be detailed. It might go two, three hours. The guy goes, let's go look at the Statue of Liberty. He goes, isn't that beautiful? We get out of the bus. We look around a little bit. Everybody takes a, take a look. We go back to the, we go back to the, <laughs> to the hotel. And that was it. <laughs> and I remember we were laughing. It was like, okay, this guy's great. We got to play hard for the guy just because he's so out there that, you know, like who else would do that? Now, lo and behold, did we know that he was, you know, just, we didn't need practice. What we needed was, that was his way of saying, Hey guys, I believe in you. Like nothing practice was going to do. And we ended up going playing. And I I think we ended up winning that series. Right. Or um, in the, in in the, in that, in that time. But I'm just yep. saying that you need that in this NBA. The 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 monotony of just doing things over and over and over again and it just wears on you. And I think that's what leadership is all about is being able to function in that, reflect on it, but more importantly, get your guys to understand that you know what? Hey, yeah, things are going to happen. But we have to have the same attitude about everything that happens to us. We got to figure it out. That is the key. That's the key. And that's what I want to see from the Brooklyn Nets. That's what I want to see. That's what I want to see. Like Kevin Durant last night against the Knicks, I kind of liked it. There was something about him last night that, all right, they were down, trade was going on. You know, Kevin Durant wouldn't even answer the question. You know, he said, hey, the trade's not happening yet. They go on the road and win a game. <laughs> mm-hmm. That to me, that's the fun part of the NBA. That's the fun part. And then you go, you know him and James and all those guys are talking. You know they're talking. You know they're talking right now. You, you can't convince me they're not talking. Okay? Yep. And I don't yep. need coaching. 
right now. I don't need numbers. You know what I need right now? Let's get out here and figure this one out. Yep. That's it. And they did. That's it. You, you know, it we can have a we can figure have a great out. game plan and all that. You know what I need? Let's figure this out. Because you know they're talking. That's the key. Sure. You know they're talking. So let's see. Let's see how it plays out. And uh, and, and and in between that, let's uh, make sure you, you're closer to Coach uh, Nash than I am. Give the guy a hug when you see him because uh, there's going to be a lot of late night film watching sessions <laughs> with this group in the next in the oh, next coming sure. month. So, uh, lot, but it's all lot, good. A lot of walkthroughs on uh, on game day. This was great today, buddy. I'm glad we were able to jump on. Uh, special thanks as always to. Our team, the one and only Mike Lieber, Bruce Bernstein, new edition, Johnny L., John Lichtenstein, all-star editor Tom Phillip, and the rest of the Pure Hoops crew. Be sure to check out the Mike Wise Show, dropping each and every Monday. Full Court with Kay and Fisher, Tuesdays, Catch and Shoot 2.0, Auto Strong, Aaron Berlin on Wednesday, Buckets, Boards, and Blocks with Monica McNutt and King McClure on Thursdays, and of course, the Pure Hoops Podcast with BJ Armstrong and yours truly, Eric Newman, on Fridays. Stay healthy, stay safe, enjoy a great weekend of NBA and NFL action, go Browns, and uh, stay pure. We'll catch you next week. The Pure Hoops podcast is a presentation of Pure Hoops Media.